Welcome to the Be Brave podcast, where ordinary, badass, brave women speak their stories of courage and strength. We hope that by hearing the struggles and successes of women just like you, it will help you be brave. Please note that the Be Brave podcast does cover adult topics that include overcoming adversity in areas of sexual abuse, addiction, depression, and other difficult experiences. Today we have Kelly Ann Wagner with us. She is 46 years old and has four children. Cameron would have been 22, Aiden is 19, Emily 15, and Madeline is 13. She enjoys working as a registered nurse. She has three beautiful fur babies and they have a full, wonderful life. She tragically lost her firstborn child May 10th, 2018 to a motorcycle accident. It is something that she will have to go through every single day. It was a choice she had to make. One of the first things she felt when she lost Cameron was how much longer do I have to live until I can see him again? She focuses on being present and loving to her three other children and always being cognizant to their needs. She has allowed herself to find happiness in her new relationship with her fiance, Stefan, and every day is a new day. She looks for opportunities to honor her son, Cameron, by speaking at LifeLink as Cameron was an organ donor and to her, he is a hero. She participates in a yearly Cameron Sawinski Memorial Scholarship Award for use in the Dunedin Pipe Band. Her goal is to keep Cameron's bright light alive for as long as she lives. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your story of how you found happiness and joy after the tragic loss of your son. We really welcome you and are so happy you're here with us. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for joining us, Kelly. And I wanted to read this quote to you that we read to all of our, the women who join us here, because we think it's so fitting and which is part of the reason why we do what we do. It says, one day you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now, and it will become part of someone else's survival guide. So we really do appreciate you being brave and being with us today. Thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. All right. So let's dive right in. You want to, wherever you want to start, Kelly, we'd be happy to listen. Okay. Uh, it's, it's definitely, um, changed my life and has, uh, given me a whole different perspective. Obviously something to go through like that would be earth shattering. And then you really, really have to get to a point where you dig deep and find ways to figure it out because you're never going to go get over it, but you, you have to go through it. You can't go around it. You got to go right through. And it's one day at a time. Kelly, how, how do you get yourself through one day at a time? I just want to share with you, you know, my, I have no idea what it's like to have a child, let alone lose a child, but I am a sister of someone who lost their child. We lost my nephew at age 24. And I know that it changes life drastically and it changes relationships in your family drastically. And that you've probably have felt like nobody understands what you're going through and nobody can relate to you. How have you been able to keep relationships in your life with your family and others, you know, around you? Well, I I think everybody has a superpower. 
and mine is being a caregiver. So I've had to find balance and sometimes I struggle and I care for others and sometimes to a point of it's too much and I less self-care and more caring for others because it's a really good distraction and it gets you off of yourself. And I've just really learned that every day you have to try to rebalance and kind of look at things and assess things and kind of understand I can do this. This is good for someone else, my loved one, some, you know, in the family or your children, but there's gotta be a balance where you have to also love yourself. And if you're not filling yourself up and really first, then you aren't, you don't have enough to give to others. But being a caregiver, being a nurse, being a mom, being a fiance, having her babies, those things are um, very healthy and can be very um, good in your healing and good distraction. But again, you know, I tend to sometimes overdo it. And then, and then I can tell that I'm, I'm drained and then it's not good for my health. But to maintain relationships, I don't think it's been very hard for me because I really am sometimes to a fault, extremely loving and empathic and uh, sympathetic. And just, I tend to naturally look to where I can make things better for others or help. So, and I, and I understand that I'm not, everyone is the same way. And it's just been, I've been really forced to really look at a lot of different things through the tragic loss of losing my son. And, and it's like, you don't always get it right. And that's okay. And every day you just learn, you're always learning. I want to learn. I want to do well. You know, I want to be the best, best Kelly I can be. And, and again, sometimes you're not going to be, and that's okay. But as a whole, having confidence and, you know, learning to be confident that I am being the best I can be and, you know, looking at every day, you know, mostly like a new opportunity is a good way to live. It sounds like those qualities you just mentioned about yourself makes you an awesome nurse. Thank you. Number one. (laughs) But um, I love how you give yourself permission to have a bad day. Yes. Yes. Actually, it, and I've also, um, through my experience of under, I understand that if I don't give myself enough love, eat right, sleep right, and there's many different facets to taking care of yourself and your mental health, then I don't feel as well. Because you can feel well while you're grieving and healing. You can do it and you can allow yourself to do it. And that's different for everyone. There's different seasons. The way I am today will look different than the way I was eight months or a year after I lost my son, because I was really traumatized. And I actually was kind of looking, kind of living my life, like do, 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 go, go, go. I was still kind of sort of in traumatized so much that I was just sort of really focused on what I needed to do and less on what to slow down. It's okay to go through this and feel this in a certain balanced way, if there is such a thing to where you're not falling off a cliff, you know, and, and, you know, and there's, there's healthy ways I think to do that as well. But myself, I preferred because I have children and others and I'm in a profession. I just was afraid 
to, to, to allow myself just to completely, you know, flip into this hole of devastation where I couldn't function. So I considered myself high functioning. I wanted to be high functioning with, like I said, allowing myself, you know, to have days where it's okay that you're not, you know, running for your day and, you know, just overly accomplishing things. And it's okay, you know, to spread that out in a healthy manner. What are some of the things, Kelly, that you've had to put in place? And I'm going to just back up here. I think a lot of women in general will put others first. A lot of women like yourself, especially who are caregivers and who are professional moms, tend to put everyone else in their life first. And when you need to pay attention to yourself and when you need to put yourself first, it's really, really hard if you've never been in that mode before. Right. So what are some of the things? I think some of those behaviors, as I've, I think I've mentioned to you before, ha- they die hard. And, and I've, I'm 46, you know, it's a lot of years of behaviors of personality that have, that have brought me here today and, you know, losing my child, you're, you know, you're not supposed to lose your child, you know, you know that's the way we kind of look at it. We're, we're not supposed, we're supposed to pass away, you know, before our children preferably the order of things in a perfect world. We're supposed to outlive, live our children. I had to learn a whole new way of thinking. I've adapted a way of thinking that is making myself hypersensitive, really being cognizant to be hyper vigilant, to know what my needs are this morning, this afternoon, they change as the day goes on just really being in tune to yourself and what your needs are, planning your meals. I can't stress it enough. What we put in our bodies, making sure we're hydrated, making sure, you know, we have some routine and that we get exercise because, you know, I'm on absolutely zero medication, thankfully. And I understand that eating and sleeping and getting exercise is like natural medication. It's not, it's everything we need to feel well. And I can tell if if I'm not paying attention to those things, or if I kind of slip a little, I can feel it. And it affects my grief and affects my energy. It, it affects my mentality, my, my joy. Sometimes I'm not happy, but I have been able to always circle back and, and still have some joy and happiness, you know, in the face of this tragic loss in, in my life. And for my children. Thank you, Kelly. I would love to take a moment and just talk about Cameron and tell us about Cameron and his personality. And he accomplished so much in such a short time. Would you, would you share Cameron with us? Yes, absolutely. So he was born August 12th, 1999. He's a very, very happy baby. Uh, he loved to eat, got really chubby and <laughs> he loved water. I um, got him. I was a little scared because he would just run to any body of water and jump in once he could walk. I jumped in after him many times in pools. <laughs> really, really great swimming lessons. When he was a toddler, he could swim the length of an Olympic sized pool um, with all his clothes on, a jacket and shoes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I wanted to make sure he was safe. So, um, just very outgoing, very happy, you know, just a really good active boy. Then uh, as he grew, started to grow, he um, loved music. He, he started participating in the band in middle school in the city of Dunedin. And 
I really, really, really wanted him to play the bagpipes, but he said, oh no, I'm not going to wear that skirt. And it didn't take long. And his band instructor really wanted him to learn the bagpipes. So he started his journey playing the bagpipes and it was a really good thing for him. It was a, a way to express himself. So I think you either love the bagpipes or you hate the bagpipes. But in Denise and luckily most most people in the community love the love the pipes because of the the heritage and the connection with Scotland here in um, Denise. So he used the pipes as a way to express himself, release energy, and he could make others happy. He loved like his mom to make others happy and he loved being helpful. So uh, Cameron um, went on to, to play pipes in high school and he, he had a lot of good teachers and he loved um, making others happy teachers. He really did. And he was just a fun kid, fun kid to be around full of energy. And I'm very, very proud of him. I remember when he was 16, going to the DMV and I, me being a nurse and he always wanted to be like a firefighter paramedic. He looked at me and said, mom, can I, you know, check yes for uh, organ donation. And I remember, and of course I go through life with the camera. I had pictures of him. I have the memory in my mind of pictures of the day when we were at the DMV and he wanted to become an organ donor. So when he passed away, so uh, tragic that day before I uh, got home from the emergency room, just trying to process that whole thing. And my family was with me and everyone was devastated. I got right before I got home, Lifelink called and, and it was like a spark of hope that my son could help others. And he was still going to live through helping others with all of the the organ donation that he was able to, to give to others. And my son was going to live on in that sense. And that was just amazing in my, wow. Yeah. In my tragic moment that they called and I said, yes, that's exactly what he wanted. So he was able to give heart valves to children because of his age and the valves would then at his age, they would grow with the children and um, so many, many, many other ways he was able to give to help people in that way is just unbelievable. And that he's alive all over of to think of that. That is a beautiful way of thinking of it. And I am like, I have tears in my eyes because I think that's that's awesome, Kelly. I just just hearing you say when I got the call, I was so excited to know that he would live on. I mean, it, Right. I mean, on the same day, you're leaving the hospital. That's just that's amazing to me. Before I even made it home from um, the emergency room, answering the phone and having this beautiful angel voice from Lifelink ask me if I would give permission. I know your son's an organ donor and being a nurse and being around that and having the families make that choice and in their time of devastation when they're losing someone. I was just like, there was just like this light and this spark and this hope that filled me up in that moment. So it's amazing. That's fantastic. I like to recall that and think of that. Were you able to meet any of the people who were recipients of his organs? I would love for that to happen. Unfortunately, um, I have not, but I know they're out there. Maybe one day that'll happen. 
Um, I try to stay very close to the organization and I've, I've been able to speak at conference ignite um, spark for lifelink and it's it's about initiating the conversation to have the ICU nurses and the ICU doctors there's there's many opportunities to have those conversations and they're not easy so I was able to come it was about four or five hundred people I had uh, videos and slideshows behind me I my I carried my son's bagpipe and my son Aiden snare drums as we walked to the stage and I was able to share a little bit about Cameron, a little bit about his story and how amazing it is to turn something so tragic into a, a spark of hope and, and light and to know that my son did that and that's what he wanted. And the idea of helping children with their you know, congenital heart defects when they're born and that that his vow could grow forever with that child is amazing. That is so amazing. I know. It's awesome. It's an awesome gift he was able to give. Right. Kelly, do you feel comfortable talking about what happened to Cameron? Yes. He was, and this is also to me an amazing example about how giving my son is. He was on his way to support one of his friends that lost her grandfather. He was on his way to her, the funeral for his close friend's grandfather that passed. And he, he went to a friend's house and he, they loaned him a a nice suit and he was driving to um, the funeral and it was, the funeral was at five and he was driving there after work and he was really happy to be there to support his friend because she had lost her grandfather and, and he was like a father to her. And unfortunately, there was a bus and he, he said he really wasn't properly trained and he didn't see Cameron. And um, he uh, crossed the street and Cameron did everything that he knew to do because he was trained on the motorcycle properly. And he laid the bike down. He saw the, he saw the, we had, and it was, it, it was videoed. Nowadays there's videos at all the stores and all around. He put his bike down and tried to protect himself, put the bike in front of him. And he was wearing a helmet and the bus driver did not see him. He was focused on the vehicle behind Cameron and he didn't see Cameron. So they uh, came and resuscitated him. He did have uh, electrical activity cardiac wise. And they worked him and worked him because he was only 18 and they brought him to the hospital in Tarpon Springs and um, they tried everything they could to save him and he didn't make it. And I was working. Did you work at the same hospital or no? I was working at, at uh, Largo Medical that day and I was uh, recovering patients from cardiac surgeries and I started getting phone calls. At first, I wasn't answering because I was recovering patients. And then when there were several calls coming in, I knew something was wrong. So then that's okay. Take your time. So then when I heard that the son was involved in an accident and he was on, you know, his motorcycle, I knew that wasn't going to look good. That wasn't, it was, um, the worst, the worst thing. I literally fell to my knees <laughs> and I started pleading oh. and praying. So, but then I knew what I needed to do was to, to make sure my patients were okay and that I needed to go travel to the hospital. And as I was leaving the hospital, several um, police cars pulled up to find me. 
So I was out, I was leaving the parking lot and I turned around and drove back to the police officers and let them know. I said, are you looking for me? And they were. And I asked if they had any information and I knew that they had to say they didn't. But they, they were trying to find me to bring me to the hospital because the hospital was waiting for, for mom. Yeah. So I let them know that it was me and they didn't have to continue the search and they, they wanted to follow me to the hospital. So then I had to think because at this point, now my son had been contacted because now there's others that knew the details and they were contacting my, my son and Aiden um, was only 14. And then I, I decided to pick up my son because I didn't want to leave him home alone without me. And that was a very hard decision because I knew that it wasn't going to be good when I got to the emergency room. And I just imagined, I imagined that, but I, I was driving on the water's edge from Largo to Tarpon. And I just, I just, something, something inside of me knew that he, he wasn't with me anymore, but I knew that he, to me and my beliefs, I knew that he was with the Lord. So there's something that I felt that was holding me tight and keeping me strong and making it so that I could think. And um, my daughters were, they were at the middle school and they were performing at the same exact time. So I had to get contact friends that and family that were helping because I was working a 12 hour day and um, get everybody taken care of, think about how to proceed and how to, to go to the next point, which was take, get my son, talk to him, nurture him, prepare him, talk it over with him so that I could help prepare him as much as I could, because you're never going to be prepared, but I was trying my best and um, went to the emergency room. And at that point, the girl that his friend, Lexi, was in the emergency room. She was hysterical. I just remember the scene like it was yesterday, walking in there. I didn't want to do any of it, but I had to do it. And I wanted to, to, to do it well. And um, they brought me into another room and there was doctors and there was a policeman. So I knew. And they told me that my son had died. <laughs> And my family was there and my son was there, my other son. And I said, no. And I sat down and cried and I, I said, no. And then I knew that it was happening and it, there was nothing I could do. And I looked at them and I saw all their faces and I thanked, I thanked them because they tried so hard to save them. So I thanked them and I hugged them. I hugged the physicians. And I thanked them for doing everything they could. And I, I felt, I felt bad for them too, but I felt, I felt the pain from everyone in the room. And, um, it was, I saw him and, uh, he absolutely looked beautiful. Oh, I don't know how, and I'm so thankful And my son, he looked beautiful when I saw him. He's a beautiful, beautiful man. And he smelled good. And I touched his hair and. I spent time with him and I rubbed his feet. I guess I have a foot fetish. <laughs> I always like touching my children's feet and I spent as much time with them as I could. And it was the hardest day other than burying my son. It was the hardest day of my life. And when I drove home and Lifeline called, it was just gave me hope. Kelly, I know you well enough to know that you are one of the most grateful generous women I know. 
And I can imagine that most people when hearing that news or being in that same situation that you were in might lash out at the physicians. Like, why couldn't you have done more? Why couldn't you have saved my son? And maybe have not looked at them and said, thank you and hugged them. Can can you tell us, like, is it because of your background? Is it just because of your innate nature of your beautiful, generous, grateful human self? I would find it really hard to thank someone at that point in, in my life. And again, I have nothing to relate to. I don't even have children, but I can't imagine. In fact, when I was actually in the trauma area where my son was, I asked the police officer questions because he was investigating and he said it was a private bus. And the first thing I asked was, were there children on the bus? I have really discovered I'm not perfect, but I've discovered the type of person I am. And it's really eliminated a lot of doubt. I wish I didn't have to learn it this way, but I have. I immediately cared about whether there were children on the bus and what that would have done to them. I asked about the person driving the bus and how he was. And I also told the police officer to please tell the bus driver that I forgave him. Oh, gosh. That I forgive him. And I was sitting there in the emergency room. I did learn that, unfortunately, the heartache of that happening to the gentleman that was riding, driving the bus, I think affected his health because he had a heart attack just a few short months afterwards. And I always, always felt horrible for him. And I feel my, my personal self, I feel like God took him home, that he was suffering so much for, for what had happened, the the accident and how that, how that was so hard to live with. And I always cared for that man. And I have to give myself a break because I wanted to find him and I never got to the point where I was able to do that. But I think it really helped me forgive and know that there was an accident. So I never, I was never mad at God. I was never mad at the man that ran over my son. I thought about all the medical professionals in what, two minutes after they told me my son was gone, I saw their faces and I knew that I'm a nurse and I I know how much I want to help. And I know that they're in a position where that's why they're there. They wanted to help. And they didn't want to tell Cameron's mom and family and siblings that he was gone. And, um, and I was grateful and I, and I wanted them to know that I appreciated them. And, and that's where you find out who you really are. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not perfect, but I know that my spirit is genuine. So beautiful. The self-discovery that you found through this tragic loss. I think a lot of us are living our life. Karen and I talk about this all the time, trying to be someone we're not so we can fit in so that we can be loved so that we feel like we're enough. And you discovered that you are an amazing self and that you have this generous heart and you were able to accept it rather than push it away and say, I don't deserve that. I'm really not that. Can you, can you tell us more about how you were able to do that? What do you mean by I don't deserve that? So sometimes, and I, and I can speak for myself and maybe other women I'm around, as soon as a little bit of self, hey, you know what? You're, pretty, you're a pretty awesome woman. They're like, wait a second. I can't say that about myself. Who am I to say that about myself? Or I'm a real, you know, I'm a generous heart and I learned that I'm really this good self person. Well, maybe, maybe other influences in your life that have said, no, you're not Kelly, you're blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe you've never had that in your life. 
Um, maybe you've had, never had an itty bitty shitty committee in your head. Oh, sure, I have. It's still a cha- it's still a challenge, but I think that through some of life experiences, I'm over the hump. Sometimes, sometimes I'll allow things to have power over over me. But I think because I have pra- I have put practices in place that I can always sort of snap out of it and remember. And I'll tell myself and, you know, through um, life coaching that I've been experienced been experiencing, you know, exercising and things like that. I'll remember, I, I'll say, you're awesome. You're so smart. You're beautiful. And I'll, I'll say things to myself and it's not, I, I need to work on it still. It's that, that one's new, but I think there's a lot of shame for females, like body shaming and, and things from growing up and things we see on TV and magazines and things like that, that we feel not good about ourselves. So there's, there's part of that, you know, and as you said, sometimes just in life, there'll be other negativities or toxic things in our lives, but just, you know, remembering what I've been through and that, you know, I'm not afraid because I've already been through one of the most scariest things someone could go through, you know, just having confidence and recalling things and, you know, continuing to try to look for ways like I help other people in the medical field or helping. I love to empower my friends, my female friends. I never feel jealousy for anybody. I just, I feel love. There's just a way, a habit, forming a habit, wanting to change, wanting to feel better, wanting to heal. And it's not perfect. And it, every day you just start over. And you just keep practicing and practicing. Right. It's just the habit. And, you know, I, I will say, and I don't think there's anything wrong with failure. I will say, I even said, I even said it recently. Um, I usually try to do it like this, but I epically failed in doing it that way, right? This time. So, you know, acknowledging it for a moment, not dwelling on it. And then trying to do better next time. It could be something small. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes it a lot less overwhelming if we just start with something small. Right. I think little bites, little bites. Absolutely. You said you had like practices that you do daily and things that you do for yourself daily. So I'm, I'm imagining Kelly that some days are really good days and you wake up and you feel awesome. And then other days are, how the hell am I going to get through this day? And Cameron and the loss of Cameron is just right heavy in your heart. And you're trying to get through minute by minute by minute by minute. Right. And you have three other children and a fiance to show up for and mostly yourself to show up for. There's a, you know, I'm sure there's some mornings that you wake up and you're, you know, you're fine and you're happy and it's a great day and you know, it's going to be a great day. And then it might hit you during that day, or maybe some days you wake up and Cameron is just really heavy in your heart. And it's, how do I get through this day? Or how do I get through this moment? Or maybe it's a, his birthday or Christmas or Thanksgiving or mother's day. How I'm sure that those days there's times that you're like, I don't want to get out of bed and maybe not, maybe you've been able to come to the other side of that. Or I don't want to take a phone call. I don't want to talk to anybody. How do you show up for your other three children? How do you show up for yourself? What is it that you do to get through that? I'm just probably hyper cognizant of it. And I really do pick up on all that stuff. And I sort of, I sort of just not the same practice 
works the same way every time. So I just allow myself sometimes to fumble if I need to fumble around. I try to plan ahead if I need to. I work from home. That helps so much. And I'm so thankful. And the timing of, of this position I'm in happened after my bereavement. And I just, I feel like things sort of happen on purpose for a reason. So I'm able to not leave and feel this detachment anxiety because after I lost Cameron, I didn't want to go 30, 40 minutes and work far away from them anymore. So I'm lucky that I'm, that has really been amazing timing that I can be home. I can get things done on my job and have some of that alleviated, but you know, just sometimes, well, I talk about Cameron all the time and I won't, I just won't stop, but I make sure that that too is in my definition of in a healthy way and healthy boundary, because I don't want my other children to be jealous because they're just as important as Cameron. And I also, it's not all about mom's feelings. So sometimes, you know, I, I think it's okay for them to see me cry for this moment and we can talk about it. And then sometimes I think uh, now is not a good time to uh, allow myself to grieve publicly. And I, and I can, if I'm being healthy and you know, continuing to go to counseling. I have a wonderful counselor. And if I'm exercising and in eating and drinking, it doesn't always work that way, but I allow myself to not be perfect. And if I feel like I boundaries was an issue, but I'm working on it. I think I'm selling in that area because I'm super nice and I don't want to disappoint anyone. I want to do what they want me to do, but I've been able to try to have healthy boundaries and say, I can't do this, or I need to stay home or rest today, or I need to do yard work, or I need whatever it is I think that is going to help my mentation and my heart. Because a sense I'm sort of, you know, heartbroken, but I still have a full life and I still have so much love to give and I'm receiving and I'm, and it's okay to not to go on with your life and, you know, not be in a hole. And, you know, I think part of grieving sometimes, especially losing a child, you just, you don't want to live on without the child, your child. You really don't want to life. You don't want life to go on without them. And it's very messy and you just learn that it's okay. And you just learn to, you know, keep your child with you and be healthy and live for yourself and live for others that are in your life. So it is a journey. I'm never going to stop being on this journey. I'm going to continue to learn about it. And things like this, for example, really, really help because I want to help others. It's not all about me. I'm talking about me because I'm hoping that it'll help someone else. That is the whole point. And Kelly, to that end, if there are parents listening to this podcast who have gone through something very, you know, similar to what you've gone through, are there besides private therapy, which is very helpful, are there any other resources that you use for you or for your children that you could like organizations that you can just mention here though, so that people can? Yes. Yes. So for the first year, I was pretty much caring for everyone else but myself. And the holidays were coming. 
And I felt like I was going to probably have like a little emotional breakdown because I had to endure my first holiday without my child who I've had for 18 years. And I, and I expected to have him my whole life. So I started to think that I needed help and that I was, wasn't feeling well, I was feeling extremely down and sad and it was taking my energy even. So hospice as a nurse, I've been around hospice. They are incredible and they have all kinds of resources and different ways to support you in grief and in losing someone. They're experts, hospice, they are experts in their craft and in helping support, you know, children, adults, and in going through this kind of grief. And they did have some workshops and it wasn't, it wasn't easy because you have to get in, in groups and you have to deal with it. You have to go through it and it's exhausting, but just knowing that you can do it and it's actually going to benefit you and the hard work is going to pay off because doing nothing to look at, look at that in yourself and not giving yourself self-care will almost, it could destroy you. So I did that and hospice is incredible. That's really interesting because I think of hospice as if someone is in the process of dying, they give you support. It never occurred to me that afterwards there is more support that they provide. There, there's a lot of resources. They're very helpful. You can go online, you can call, they provide counseling. It's usually free or very minimal cost. Family counseling, individual counseling, they have shop workshops because. And I have taken my children to camp, weekend camps where other children like them. That is huge when you're ready to, and having your children trust you because they really don't want to go and and do that. But hospice, they are profound. They are experts in their craft. And just like one thing leads to other things. So just dipping your foot in the water, that little step, you know, really, really helped me and it helped my kids. Oh, that's great advice. Thank you. Um, Another question for you. If you could go back and talk to Kelly, the new mom of baby Cameron, is there anything that you would tell her? Wow, that's a good question. It sounds like you lived your life loving your children as much as you could and teaching them. You were so proud of him. So I don't know if there would be anything you could tell her, you know? I don't know if this is, I don't know how this is going to sound, but I would, he was 18. I didn't, I didn't want him to have a motorcycle, but he was trying to be big boy. And I mean, I sort of felt like I had this incredible desire to protect him from the moment he was born. He was my first child. There's no love that I had experienced like that before with my first child, feeling that level of love. And I just really, really wanted to protect him and keep him safe. But, you know, I, you know, there's, I think that God is, he knows and he knew and other than, you know, trying to change him, getting a motorcycle, you know, I would probably want to tell myself to get a suburban or something, (laughs) but I guess just, just letting myself know that, that you're going to be a great mom and, you know, just to hang on and, and just, I really don't think I would change anything other than giving myself encouragement 
and just to enjoy and not worry and as much and um, just tell myself that that you did a really good job and I want you to know ahead of time and I want you to enjoy your time with this baby and you're going to be okay. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Thank you. Kelly, I, I, uh, I love just your whole self and part of the way you describe yourself is to be a warrior woman. Can you just sum that up for us? Cause I totally see you as a warrior woman, but I would put the word warrior, grateful, generous woman in there. I I'll tell you, um, when I lost Cameron very, very quickly, I sort of stepped back at everything and I saw everything. I don't know how I was able to do that sort of sort of stepped out of myself. And I said, and I said, you know, you know, how do you want to be through this? You know, you know, I, I, you know, I want you to be proud of yourself and not have any regrets. And I didn't want, I didn't want to stand up in front of 400 people at a funeral and speak and and bury my son. But I said, you have to do it because you're not going to be happy looking back that you did it. So I was able to have a 16 minute speech that was full and there was children there. So I, I had to think about, you know, what I wanted to do, what messages I want to send. And I wanted, I wanted others to, to these children to have hope and to heal and through me. And I wanted to walk well for my children. I wanted to, I knew that it would hurt me worse if I lost my job or if I turned to some unhealthy coping mechanism. And I just was able to stand back somehow and be very cognizant of all that and think it through and develop a plan. And then later realize that I did need, you know, to tweak things and grieve better and work on that. But just wanting to be there for my children and knowing that they were going through something horrible, they're not supposed to lose their brother, wanting to provide for them and to show them that there are going to be challenges in life. There are going to be heartaches. You know, I'm going to have more. Unfortunately, that's reality. And just hoping that when I leave this earth, that when I'm not there, that they'll remember things, maybe that'll help so that they'll be able to continue having mental health and physical health through their journey. You know, remembering, remembering maybe I'm an example to them, hopefully, (laughs) remembering how mom was. And it's not perfect. It doesn't have to be. I love that you keep saying that, that it's not perfect and it doesn't have to be. Right. It does not have to be perfect. It does not. And it should not. Just having, really having things, tools, getting tools in your toolbox, you know, really on your good days, thinking about your tools, making sure you have them, making sure they're ready, making sure they're functioning because you're going to need your tools. You're going to need to reach into your toolbox. So thinking ahead. What's in your toolbox, Kelly? My faith. There are a few uh, certain friends you have to choose that you can go to that it's a safe place. I cannot be upset that there, that everyone in my life, my, there's not everybody in your life can handle this and I don't want to exhaust them. And it's okay that they can't handle you know, you have to have a safe place, a certain one or two people finding for me, finding the right trauma professional that has been working with me. I didn't start counseling till it seemed like a year after 
but having that and being okay with that because you're vulnerable. There's so different, many facets to it. Allowing yourself to to trust and be vulnerable um, when you need to. Exercising and you know, list putting good things in what you're looking at, what you're listening to is very, very important. Just kind of having that healthy bubble around. And sometimes you, you're not going to be able to not putting unrealistic expectations on yourself. Sometimes you're not going to be able to do all of that, you know, and tomorrow you will maybe, and it's okay. Great advice. Great tools. A great tool set, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> great toolbox. Thank you so much for joining us today and being vulnerable enough to share your story. We really appreciate it because we do know that, you know, the people listening are definitely going to get something out of this, especially if they're in your shoes. I really hope that, you know, you've been able to share some resources like hospice. I also looked up LifeLink. I believe their website is lifelinkfoundation.org. So, and there are ways people can get involved that way with LifeLink. And I guess the recommendation too, I think, I know I'm signed up as an organ donor. Patty, I don't know if you are. I am. I am. And, and of course you are, Kelly. I would, <laughs> I would think so. So it's clearly, we see what the, the power of that, you know, the power of organ donation. I have been able to work with Fran Hosh and she's an attorney, an attorney in our area. Yep. An injury attorney and able to do some charity work in Cameron's honor for LifeLink because they have so many different levels of ways that they help mankind in our area and uh, students and doctors and, you know, working on things to, for our health and also organ donation to be able to save a life. So, you know, that, uh, getting involved and, and I hope to continue to get involved in other ways, you know, so I'll always pray for that and have it. This came my way. I'm very thankful for it. And just the biggest thing is that you're not alone because it does feel very isolating in this, in this grief, it's, it's very uh, shocking and um, some days extremely devastating, but you know, you're not alone and there's others like you and everybody's experience and in, in grief is different. And that's so okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I, every once in a while I hear, you know, you, you hear about some tragedy or whatever else, and someone makes a comment about, well, why is she doing this? And you know what? Sometimes I don't know why she's doing that. Maybe that's just her way of processing. And maybe, you know, we do, right. you're right. We all have our different ways of handling whatever's coming at us, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's our way for the moment. Right. And the last thing that some, someone that is experiencing that pain needs to feel is judgment. Mm. The very last thing. And I think that it's a really good idea to work on, you know, not being judgmental because it is different and other people handle things differently and it changes all the time. Yeah. So, but there's support out there. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Kelly. You're welcome. Thank you, Kelly. So nice to talk to you and meet you. We hope this podcast has inspired and empowered you to overcome what might be holding you back from living your best life. If you love this podcast, please share it with a woman, you know, who needs a little empowerment. Now go out in the world and be bold be brave, be you, perfectly imperfect you, with love, Kara, and Patty.
but I want to make sure I never forget to start recording. Mixed and edited by Desmond McNeese for We Mixed It, LLC. Go to whatsoundsawesome.com. Bye.